Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So uh, last uh, June, Nick Simmons, he he set a world record uh, for running the 100 meter in 17 seconds. And you think, well, that's the world record? That doesn't seem so fast. Maybe you could even do that. But um, let me show you how he did it. Go ahead and show that. This is me. And this is my wife, Tiana. And we are attempting to set a new world record for the fastest 100 meter sprint while carrying your wife. The current world record is only 19.23 seconds. I don't want to let Tiana down. I don't want to let the crowd down. Seconds, 15, 16, a lead at the line, 17.67 seconds, a new world record. Yeah, that's why you get married. All right, that's it. So guys, the single guys, if you are, aren't married, that's why. That's why you want to do it there. I want to let you know about that. So um, there's another guy named Oliver Strumpfel. I think it's Bavaria. Is that a country? I think he was there. Uh, he set a world record uh, going 40 meters, and let's see how he did it. guy he his name's Gregory De Silva and he uh, carried um, the most eggs ever in a hat and so he carried 735 eggs didn't walk anywhere but it's kind of cool to see you know, check out this hat he's wearing All right, now I wanted to show you that you actually have done one better than every single one of those. You've done something so much more amazing, so much bigger. And if you have your Bible, open it up to 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 19. Now we're going to look, we'll come back to this passage, so you might want to put your finger there or bookmark there after we look at it. But but let's look at verse uh, 19 here. And here it is. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you. That is amazing that you carry the creator of the universe with you. That you are, that's, he resides with us. Isn't that incredible? I mean, what, what a beautiful, amazing thing. Who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So when you gave your life to Jesus, what scripture tells us is that moment Because of the cleansing blood of Jesus, because he makes you completely holy, completely pure, then God is able to take up residence within you, that we are actually carrying God wherever we go, that he is with us. I mean, that's amazing. So for as long as you've been a Christian, you've been carrying Jesus, carrying the Holy Spirit with you. Now, you've heard people say, my body is a temple, right? 
and they, they're, they're missing the meaning of it. I mean, when they say my body is a temple, they usually mean, and that's why I do yoga, or that's why I go to CrossFit, or that's why I can't eat that, because my body is a temple. And, and that's part of it. Yes, I mean, we need to be good stewards of these bodies that God has given us. We need to take care of these and make the most of them. But uh, in fact, like my body, I've noticed that if my body is a temple, it's starting to become more and more like a megachurch as we go on. So just, you know, we take care of yourself here. But that's actually, Scripture is talking about a very different thing. But what it's saying is that we actually, this is the place that God inhabits. This is the place that he dwells. So when you say my body is a temple, what it means, scripturally, where it came from, is that God is here, that he is constantly with us, that you are a mobile temple, always bringing God wherever you go. So that means when you walk into the room, God is coming into the room with you. Now, you're not God, but you're bringing God with you. And so anything you do, listen, God is along for the ride if you're in Jesus. That's an amazing, amazing thing. It's a lot better than carrying your wife or carrying beer or eggs. I mean, this the creator is with us at all times. And if you look at Solomon's temple that God had him build, that this was the place where God's presence was. Asserted a great job talking about in the tabernacle, how the pillar of cloud was there, and then the pillar of fire, showing that this is where we encounter God. That you would come to the temple if you wanted to meet God, if you wanted to give an offering, if you wanted to bring a sacrifice, that's where it took place. But because of Jesus now, all of those things are to, uh, available to us at all times. Wherever we go, we're just carrying it around. We're these vessels, these temples at, at, at all times. Now, I wanted to look a little bit at the design of the temple, even actually just the way that it's laid out, because I actually think we see some symbolism there and some ideas of, okay, now what goes on in a temple? How does a temple function and work? And I think as we look at the Jewish temple, we're going to see actually how this temple right here is designed to work. So there's a progression of three things as we go into the temple that we see. Three things that, that, that take place. And so as we start on the outside, when we start to move towards the middle, the first thing that happens is there's a stripping away or a laying down of everything extra, everything that is not of God. And, and we put those things down, put down all our stuff, and we actually start to focus more and more on him. And so here's another thing that we have to understand is as we go towards the middle, towards the holy of holies, towards the dwelling place of God, that the intensity of, the, of holiness increases. Now, you know, when we talk about this whole book here, we talk about every, I mean, sin is the problem, right? The, the thing is, is, see, God is so incredibly holy and perfect. And the problem is we are separated because of our sin. And it's a big deal. And so much of our misunderstanding about God, about hell, about suffering, about all of what we go through is that we just don't understand how completely holy God is and how sin is such an egregious breaking of his holiness. And that it has to be dealt with. When you look at all of these sacrifices and ceremonies and requirements for the temple, it's just a reminder of us for us that God is perfect and he's unattainable on our own and that his holiness is amazing and it's intense. And we get into the Holy of Holies. And if you were to see God face to face without an intermediate, without Jesus there, you would, you would fall to the ground. You would die. That's how holy our God is. And then another thing that we see as we move in is this increased intimacy and this increased proximity that we draw in closer and closer with God. And I want to submit to you that that's actually what's meant to be with these temples, that we are called to move into the holy of holies, to the most intimate and close place 
with God through these temples. And you see that as you go into these courts, that between each court there's these steps. And it's just a reminder that you come up from uh, the court of, of Gentiles and you come into the court of women and you have to go up some steps. And then when you go into the court of Israel, the Israelites, you have to go up steps. And then when you go into the most holy place, there's more steps. And it's reminding us that we're just going further up and further in to the presence of God. So I want to start out here at the Gentiles court. And now this was, we talked a little bit about this last time, and that Gentiles court is the only place where non-Jews can go to worship. So God-fearing Gentiles, that's where they would go. That's the place. They have to stop right there. And it's a picture for this temple of our interaction with the world. And let me show you what Jesus says about our interaction with the world. So in John 17, verse 14, Jesus says this and about his disciples and about you and me. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of this world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And so this is a reminder of us with the phrase that we say is that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And yes, we have to interact with the world. I mean, here we are, we're living in this quarter. Gentiles reminds us that we are interacting with the marketplace and we're interacting with soccer practice and, and we've got life to live in the midst of those who don't know God. But there we remember that there is a constant pull. There's a constant remembrance that the purpose that we have is to move up those steps and to move into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place where we connect with God. That as you are in the court of Gentiles in your life, as you are interacting with the, the, the world, to remember, I'm here, but I'm not of it. That there's something bigger, there's something greater, there's something more meaningful for me as I press up and I go in. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the temple of your court of Gentiles here, or the court of your temple, reminds you that you are set apart, which just means that's what holiness is. It's to be set apart for special purposes. And your purpose is found actually deeper in, in the Holy of Holies. So we go further up and further in to the temple, and we go through the gate called Beautiful, and you read about that in Scripture, and it takes you into the court of women. And now this is where worship happened. And so all Jews were allowed to go into the women's courtyard there, and what happened there was offerings. So uh, when you read about the widow's might, Jesus was in that area, and as he's observing people bringing their offerings, and she puts that little bit that she has, that's where it takes place. We also know that prayer is taking place there. And so that's where Hannah, when she's crying out to the Lord, she was in the women's courtyard crying out for a son that God would meet her prayers. And this is a place where worship happens. This is worshipers only in this time. And it's a reminder for you and I that this temple here is made for worship. And that the connection, the moving forward with God is actually found in worship. You will worship something. You will worship something. We all will worship something. We'll worship the things of this world. We'll worship celebrity. What it means, it's to adore, to chase after, to model after. And you'll worship yourself. But you will worship something. And we were made to worship God. And the reason that we worship, it's not because God has self-esteem issues and he needs to hear like, oh, now tell me a little bit more about me, right? That's not, he's, he's fine, he is complete, he doesn't need your worship. You need to worship. 
And what it does is when we worship, it lines us up to the truth of the universe. It reminds us of who God is and who we are and how we relate. It's kind of like uh, in The Matrix. You've seen the movie The Matrix. So Neo is kind of like the chosen one, right? And there's this moment where he starts to see things clearly. And as he's looking around, he realizes he's like in a computer program and he, and he starts seeing binary and there's, you know, ones and zeros everywhere. And as he sees these ones and zeros, and he's able to kind of like dodge bullets as they go flying past him and do all these amazing things because he finally sees things as they really are. And see, that's what worship does. It lines us up to like, ah, this is who God is. This is who we are. And we give him the praise that he deserves. And he dwells within those praises. There's a connection that takes place because we were meant to worship. And then in this journey that you have as you're moving forward up the steps into intimacy with God, what we find is that we lay down ourselves and we lay down our selfishness and we bring these offerings. And you know, if anyone's on a dream team here, if you're serving, you know, part of it is because you get to touch a life, you get to change other people, and that's powerful and that's important. But actually part of it is worship. It's actually to sacrifice yourself, to say this is a living sacrifice. I'm laying myself down to do what God is calling me to do. Everything that I have, actually, I put at his feet. And Lord, it's all for you, whatever you want to do. That's what takes place in that court. That's what takes place in these temples. And then we have prayer in the middle of it. And prayer is all about our connection with God. We don't pray because God is unaware and many of us think, well, you know, if I could pray hard enough or loud enough, then God will pay attention to me. You don't understand how much God is paying attention to you. He is thinking of you constantly. Scripture tells us thoughts for you. You can't even number them. He's always thinking about you. See, the beautiful thing about prayer is that prayer actually brings us into partnership. He loves to do things with you. And so prayer is his tool that he put in your hand. He's like, hey, let's get some stuff done, and we're going to do it together, and your part is to pray. I'm going to put this in your hands, and you pray, and power, and change, and transformation comes. And not only outside, but inside. And we draw near to him, and it builds this relationship with him. So it's an amazing thing that happens in this temple. And these temples, they need to be places of worship and places of prayer and places of offering because that helps us move into the Holy of Holies, deeper into this face-to-face connection with God that he has for us. So we go from the court of woman, women, and we move into the, through the gate of Nicanor, who's this guy, he, was, uh, he built these gates uh, from probably from Egypt, and there's some, uh, some Jewish legends around those gates of like they floated in the water and things like that, but uh, they're not in the Bible, so we don't know. But we do know those gates are there and that you go through the next step. And, and as you go through, the, you go, come into the court, or I actually have seen others that call it the Hall of Israelites. I kind of like that. And if it's a hall, it's actually on this side of those uh, offering uh, places there where the sacrifices are burnt. And that's where you come and you would lay your sacrifice down. Now, only Jewish males were allowed to go this far. And I want you to understand that it is not because women are less to God. Now, listen, there is no one who has elevated women like Jesus. I mean, in history, that he brought them into ministry and brought them in along with him and that he empowered them and changed their station. We wouldn't even know about equality if it wasn't for what Jesus has done. So, so Jesus has elevated that. But, but at the same way, when we look at the Gentiles, it's not that God likes Gentiles less. 
It's not that he doesn't love them. What he's doing here is we have a symbol that as we go deeper into this temple, as we go closer to the Holy of Holies, we leave everything behind, including family. Now, when I, uh, I do funerals, I'll do a number of those, and um, I, I like to, if sometimes I'll do a funeral with someone that you know, I, didn't, I didn't know. And so I'll sit with the family and I'll say, well, now I want to get to know them. I want to honor them well. So tell me about this person whose funeral we're just about to do. And I'll, I'll ask them, you know, what did they care about most? And most people, when I ask that question, what do they care about? Most people say family, right? And that's a good answer. They cared about family. And you've seen like uh, the shirts that people wear, right? It's like family, faith, flag, firearms, right? Or, or there's other ones that say family, faith, fishing. Okay, and that's really, really close, but it actually misses it. That it actually should be faith, family, fishing, and then firearms too. If you need those, you can put that on as well. So, but it starts with faith. Let me show you this, what Jesus says in Luke. Luke 14, verse 26. This is a tricky passage. It's kind of a difficult passage. Jesus says this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And most of us are like, huh? I guess I'm out. What are we going to do, you know? I can't hate them. Now, I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here. He knows that the most important relationship that you have is listed somewhere in there. Your kids, your wife, your parents. The person that you love the very most is in that list. And so what Jesus is saying is you take the most pure, the best, the most important relationship that you possibly can. And let's just put it right here. And, and I mean, this is, there's no relationship that's more important, that's better in my life than this one. And he says, now when you look at that, and then you look at the relationship that I have for you. And then you look at who I am to be in your life and what I want to be. Now, and you compare the two of them. And if you're doing it as I have for you, like I really want for you, you're going to look at this other one. And as good as it is, you're going to compare the two and say, that's like hate compared to the love that I have for God. See, because faith is first. And that he is encouraging us and, and calling us to go deeper into this intimate relationship that can't be like any other relationship that you could possibly have. Your creator who knows you and loves you, knowing you perfectly. There's a passage in Psalm 91.1. I love how the New King James puts it. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place. See, there's this hidden place. Matthew 6, 6 says that when you go and say your prayers, shut the door so your father who sees what is done in secret. And there's part of this relationship that you're to have with God that nobody else gets to be part of. See, there's actually a place in my walk with God that's not meant for you. And it's not meant for my sermons. And it's not meant for Gina, and it's not meant for my family, but there's an intimacy and a connection. There's sometimes where Gina, you know, she'll be having quiet time, and, uh, and every once in a while I'll ask her, I'll say, okay, well, well, what did God say? And she says, no, that's just for me and God. Yep, got it. That's good. That's as it should be. There's, a, there's places in your life that are just, they're so special that it's just the two of you. 
I think Mary actually understood that. It says, you know, Mary took all these things as Jesus was born and everything that took place, and she pondered them in her heart. She just kept them. This is just me and God's thing right now. And so this is a good question for us as we're talking about moving into the Holy of Holies, moving deeper with God, is that do you bring the deepest parts of your life to God in prayer? And many of us, the answer would be no. What we do is we bring the sanitized parts to God. You know, we kind of work it all out, we have the right answer, and then we come to God. That's not what it's meant to be. We actually approach the throne of grace with confidence in our time of need. That you actually come before him. You can, you can take your doubts. Do you share your doubts with God? Do you share your questions with God? Do you share your hurts and your disappointments with God? See, that's the type of connection that he wants to have with you. There's times where I'm, I'm reading scripture and I'm like, I, I don't get it. What on earth is going on? And then I bring that to God. I'm like, God, I don't understand why you would say that. I don't understand why you did that. Especially like in Leviticus and Numbers. I'm in Numbers right now. And I'll bring that to the Lord and I'll struggle with it. And it's amazing how many, many times as I do that, that I study and kind of go through it and I pray, that all of a sudden it starts to make sense. And I get this understanding and I see, wow, actually, God, I thought that was mean. It was really gracious. It was powerful. It was good. Now, I don't know about you, but I have found so far, I haven't found an exception, that when I disagree with the Word of God, that uh, the Word of God wins. That there's something wrong here and not something wrong here. And so, but I, you can bring those things to him. It's okay. It's okay. I, I don't get it. Help me, Lord. Help my unbelief. I think that's a good prayer, personally. And so we come and we bring everything to him. He wants to have this connection with us. And so then we cross the altar there, and then we go to the hall of priests or the court of priests, and only the priests are allowed to be there. And they've already been sanctified. There's been sacrifices that have come for them so they could, they could remain there. And, and it reminds us of this, is that as we go deeper with God, that sin is left behind. And that holiness must increase. Now, I told you we'd go back to Corinthians. Let's look at the, uh, let's look at the context of that passage in 1 Corinthians 6. And I want to start a little ways before what we read here and just see what's going on around in that passage. It's so important that as you read Scripture that you pick up context, that you understand uh, the context that it's written in, uh, the time it's important, but especially the other words that surround it, the other thoughts that surround it. So let's look at uh, 6.12 here. And he says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. So remember that. You can't, but should you? Okay, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. That's so important. No one else gets to control us, that, that our, our master is Jesus. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. That is a powerful passage. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And then, now we're picking up with what we read before. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit 
who is in you, with whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, people wonder, like, why are Christians so uptight about sex? Why do they make such a big deal out of sex? And here's the reason, that it is not just sex. That it is union and it is intimacy. And that there is physical connection and there is spiritual connection and there is emotional connection and that's how it's designed. And people say right now, my body, my choice. But scripture actually says, you are not your own. Actually, this is God's. And so what are you to do? Honor God with your body. So understand this, followers of Jesus, understand this, that when we go into an intimate relationship, we are bringing God with us into that relationship. And there's only one place, there's only one way that that can be in right order. Coming back to right order. The way that God intended it, where it honors him, where it's pleasing to him, where it is a celebration, where it is worship, where it fits with what he wants to do, and that is one man and one woman in the context of marriage. Yes. That's how he designed it. Look, I'll show you, Hebrews 13, 4. It says this, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual immoral. Now, this is a surprising connection. Like, how did we get here, Carl? Well, there's this amazing connection between the temple and sex. But you never thought of that before. And you know what it is? That both are designed for connection and unity and intimacy. And that's why we see them related together. You see, the temple is actually meant to be a place where we are intimate, connected, and unified with God as we go into the Holy of Holies. And it's not just sex, it's any sin where we're talking about as we want to go up those steps, sin can't come with us. Sin cannot go into the most holy place. Now, we stand anywhere in this temple and in that court by the blood and power of Jesus. And wherever you stand, even if you are sinning right now, you stand forgiven. And you stand loved. And are you his child? Yes. And does he hear your prayers? Absolutely. And we only stand by the blood of Jesus here. But to go deeper into connection with God, we have to. You don't bring sin along. We have to lay our sin down. It's kind of like, um, so now, you know, it gets muddy during the spring. And so I've been out, like, especially working on, like, our sprinklers. And, you know, I come in and my shoes are all, like, full of mud. Right? And as soon as I'm about to walk in, you know, I step in and Ginny goes, ah, ta, 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 ta. Right? Uh, and what does that mean? That means if you want to come into this house, take those shoes off. Very similar. We're about to come up into the Holy of Holies. We're about to step in with God and we take the step and God says, ah, ta, 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 ta. Take, those sin, the, take the sin off. Now, it, it's good because it's not like you have to do this big effort. You don't have to, you know, pay penance. All I have to do is take the shoes off. All I have to do is just lay down my sin. All I have to do is repent to turn from that and say, okay, God, I'm handing this over. I don't want that anymore because I want to go deeper with you. I want more of you. And Christians, for some reason, the church, we have, we've grabbed onto what uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, what he called cheap grace. And I see it all the time. And, and, and we say things like, well, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway because, well, you know, grace. Because God will forgive me. That's a scary, scary place to be because what happens I mean you could yeah can you be forgiven sure can God come and meet you even there absolutely 
But, but what happens, like, like you step into that thing and what if your heart just gets a little bit harder and you just move a little deeper in your sin and you keep going and you keep going and you look back, you're like, how did I get here? It's because way back here, you said, ah, grace will cover it. But then your heart gets calloused. And, and, and God says, listen, if you want more of me, you've got to let go of sin. He's calling us to holiness. And that's attitudes. It's actions. It's without and it's within. But I want to take those shoes off because I want to go into the Holy of Holies. I want to be closer to God. I want to see his face. And the beautiful part is all you have to do is lay it down and go forward with confidence in your time of need. So then we go up the last set of stairs into the most holy place. And only one guy, the priest, the high priest, was allowed to go there. Only one, one time a year. And it's the place where he would make atonement and sacrifice for all the sins of Israel. And in the end, listen, this is where it goes. In this temple, it comes down to just you and God in his sacred sanctuary, which is you. In the end, it comes, it's just one-on-one. Remember that our entire lives, they are built for an audience of one. And there's no other opinion, there's no other judge we should care about, there's nothing else that we will care about than what the Father has to say with how we lived our lives. And in every moment, I mean, in this action right now where you're at, every single action, the real question is what does God think about it? And then listen, no matter how much other people praise you or celebrate or the rewards or benefits that come, if God is opposed to it, you will look back on it and you will say, oh, what a waste. It was not worth it. I missed it. And if God is for it, then, then what, nobody, no matter how anyone criticizes you or comes against you or, or how they reject you, you'll say, oh, it's so worth it. There's nothing else that will matter when you stand face to face than what he had to think about it. And so then we go even a little bit deeper because then once you're in the most holy place, there's a curtain. This is a massive curtain. It's four inches thick. And behind it is the holy of holies, the most holy place. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was before it was lost. And it's the place where God's presence literally dwells. And then we see here in Matthew 27 to get behind the curtain, to go around the curtain. Look what happened. So Jesus, when he's on the cross, and at the last moments in verse 50, it says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. This is an amazing thing that this curtain, four inches thick, rips from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom. So first it reminds us that there weren't people tugging on it, but more importantly, it reminds us that God did it. It came from there, from heaven, down to us in earth. That he is the one who made the way. That when Jesus died, he was like, okay, I'm gonna open up the Holy of Holies. I'm doing this for you, and now by my son, you can walk in. That's why God can dwell with us now. Because of the sacrifice. You know that when God looks at you, he looks at you through the lens. It's like he's got Jesus glasses on. And he sees purity. He sees holiness. He sees righteousness because of the sacrifice of his son. And you have come underneath that sacrifice. So he says, come on in to the holy of holies. And the temple is beautiful. And it's ornate. And you look at how Solomon built it. You should just read it. It's just amazing. It was so specific. And so much gold. 
I mean, hundreds and thousands of pounds of gold are brought to do this. And, and I just, it, it was the reason that God did that to such exact specifications is because it was just a shadow of the newest temple, which is you. And it's just, it's a picture. Because when God, he said, you know, I could dwell in this temple that Solomon created, but actually there's a preferable temple for me. There's a temple that's more beautiful. There's a temple that's more precious, and it's you. Even if you're a megachurch, he looks at you and he says, that's where I want to be. And see, you don't know how special you are. You don't know how beautiful you are. You, you, you don't know how, how noble he made us when he created us. He's like, this is the top of creation for me that I'm going I'm to sacrifice my son so I could be with you and I could dwell with you. We, we don't understand what it means to be able to enter into the holy of holies, to have the holy God abiding in us, how he values us. So church, we, we, we need to press in and let go of the things of the world. And it's a call, yeah, the holiness right now to just take those shoes off, to leave the sin alone, and then to step into all that he has for us, to see him face to face, to lay down our fears, to lay down our hesitancy, to lay down our guilt and our shame. Some of you right now, you're, you're just carrying like what you did this morning or what you did recently. And, and I want you to know because of the sacrifice of Jesus, he says, no, no, come here. Find grace in your time of need. Walk into the Holy of Holies. So I want to challenge you and encourage you that that is why you are here. That's why we're here. It's to enter into his presence, to see our God face to face, to enter into the most holy place. So let's enter in with these amazing temples where God dwells. Let these temples be places of worship. Let these temples be places of prayer. Let these temples be places of holiness that brings the presence of God wherever we are, that glorifies him wherever we walk. Let's press into the holy of holies by the blood of the Lamb. So Lord God, I pray that right now that you would do just that, that you would bring us in, that you would take us in to the holy of holies. Lord, we want to see your face. We want to see you face to face. We want more of your presence, Lord. We want more of you, Lord. We are leaving the things of this world behind. We are leaving our sin behind. We are, we are leaving our shame and our guilt behind. And we are pressing into our rightful place where you wanted from the very beginning, behind the curtain, in the holy of holies, where we see you and abide you with you and walk with you. So bring us in, Lord. Right now, I pray that as we sing, as we praise, as we worship, Lord, bring us into the holy of holies. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.